Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And what's up, everybody? Hope you are all having an amazing week, whatever the vibe is. Can we talk about how it's already November? That's crazy. It seems like October was just two minutes, and here we are. Anyway, we're not here to talk about months. We're here to talk about our amazing guest today, Rama Patel, who's the founder of Tajari, which is a really cool plant-based protein company, and they have so many yummy flavors. Like, they were really good matcha flavor right now that i'm obsessed with because i'm obsessed with all things matcha right now so if you are in the matcha space you definitely need to hit me up on instagram or email me because we need to chat but anyway rum was here to talk about tajari their story everything they're up to the amazing collabs so if you like protein if you like plants if you're an erewhon stan like i am i love erewhon that's a whole nother realm this is the episode for you so Let's get into today's episode and hear what all Roma is up to. And Roma, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And before we get into all the cool things that Tajari and everything's up to, we like to start with the question of what the term young influential means to you. And it can be anything. I love this question. I was actually thinking about it um, this morning during my walk. (laughs) For me, it means people who want to make a positive change for generations to come, that they stand for something, they have a great idea, and they want to make a positive impact. Done. (laughs) Done. (laughs) I think it's all about impact right now, and I just love that, and I love being part of just founders and just like these great ideas that people have today. That's so good. Like, honestly, that's so good. Best answer. Done. We don't need to say anything else. (laughs) But... Take us back to now childhood aroma. Like, were you, did you have any brands or were you really, that were like health conscious and fitnessy that you were, that really inspired you or just brands that you just liked in general? Like, what was like your first touch of like, oh, I, I love this brand. I love this company. I grew up in Florida, so we always went to theme parks growing up. And for me, theme parks, like going to Disney or Universal, I mean, they're just such magical places. And I think at that point, I really got to see what a brand can do and how it can make people feel and the experiences and the memories that it can create. And I think from there, I was always just fascinated by brands and what they stand for and their mission and just all, and I, and I think really like Disney just left like such a lasting memory for me in terms of childhood. I love that. No, D- Disney's just a magical place, honestly. And it's so, speaking of which, like the hundredth year is this year and just like thinking of all the cool movies and stuff. And it's just like, when you think about it, 
the impact that all those moves and stuff like shaped a lot of us in ways that we don't even like realize is honestly incredible like if we really think about it now having two boys and like we're starting to like have like friday night movie nights together we're watching like home alone and that's like a movie that we grew up with right and like seeing them and it's still relevant and funny and like it's still like how it made us feel all these years later so i just think it's like such a powerful um way that even like movies brands and things like that can make people feel no that's true and i think that's that just is a pure example of just like that connection that a lot of brands and companies try to do and try to like foster and build that a lot of these that we grew up with where it was just seemed natural. And that's actually not a natural thing that a lot of people struggle to actually create those same types of connections. And that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, completely. And so like going, like going through and like kind of fast forwarding, were you always in this entrepreneurial like mindset? Were you always like somebody who was into business? Did you study that? Like, how did you start to kind of like foster those types of skills? So I studied marketing and PR and my, both my parents, like we, we had businesses growing up. My dad was in real estate. So I got to see, my mom was like working two jobs and being Indian, like they, they moved to the U S um, before my brother was born. So it was like, honestly, like growing up with nothing and they like work their way up and it, they just showed us what hard work, like making sure like you're spending time with family and like all of it was just like such a great childhood that and I think like what we were then taught is nothing comes easy you have to work you have to create really good relationships and I think for me early on I really fostered like mentorship advisors um trying to like raise my hand and like when I had my internship like what can I do how can I help so having like that type of grit I think was really important and I think from a business um, standpoint, no, I never thought I was going to have a <laughs> I was working, actually worked at Universal. I was working on their brand marketing team. I worked at Coke for seven years. I was like on this corporate ladder. And during all of that, I was pregnant with my first son and I was gaining weight, but the baby wasn't gaining weight. So the doctor was like doing all these tests. And at that point we figured out that I had hypothyroidism, which really I, I've had like zero health problems until then. And then from there, I was like, what is this? How do I learn about it? What can I do? And I really had to take a look at my nutrition. I was reading nutritional labels. I was like trying to meet with dietitians. So I really changed my health like overnight of what I can do. And then from there, it was just curiosity and a little bit of anger, to be honest, like when it comes to the food industry. And at that point, I was working at Coke, which is like this gigantic company that also does really good in terms of like sustainability and like positive changes, but they all, they also have a lot of drinks that aren't the best for um, just like young people and like where, where they're targeting right now. So it was, I took a look at what I was doing professionally and then ethically, like I just felt like I needed to resign from the job during maternity leave and start to um, work for a company that I could, that I stand by a hundred percent. And from there it was working with dietitians and food scientists. And it was a curiosity that led me to an actual formulation of a product, which is now called Tajari. No, that's, that's so cool. And I feel like you brought up a good point too, like about having greatness. I feel like a lot of times, like people, they have ideas or have concepts, but just like having like being resourceful and just thinking about like oh how can I bring this to fruition really bring this idea a lot of times like the first hurdle they'll be like oh like mm, never mind I guess that's like not meant yeah. to be and 
those types of challenges. And like you said, like you met with dietitians, you met with a lot of people. Like I'm sure everybody didn't tell you yes and give you the right answer right away. And it's like just having that grit and that momentum to be like, you know what, like, no, like I want to make not just myself feel better, but also all those around me and spread that awareness. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Like having that momentum and having that kind of mindset is so important. I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, like, It'll just like you just get an idea and it just like comes together and it'll figure itself out. And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's not easy. And honestly, it's like you kind of start from just an idea and you're Googling what is a food. I mean, I was honestly Googling like what is a food scientist? What is the difference between a dietitian and a like a holistic coach? Like I was I was starting from like square one of what even I can like, just like what the first step is. But honestly, it's the people that you meet along the way. And once you pass one milestone, you're going to a second and you just get like one foot in front of the other. No, that's, and so like from then, like, did, how were you like testing like the products and stuff and like continuing meeting to like really perfect it or kind of like, what was that kind of like middle area between kind of formulation of the idea to like kind of, getting it to that like final stage. Yeah. So my first test and focus group was at my son's first birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) I had a little, I had a little table on the side and it was like, try your newest smoothie. And I was like, and then I had someone um, just like a close friend look at people's reactions and like jot down notes as like people tasted it. So it was, it was a lot of friends. It was a lot of just like neighborhood, like, Hey, can you guys like come over, try this? Um, So it was a lot of just like grassroots. And I actually had to pivot um, from like the first formulation to what we launched with because the first one was refrigerated on the go beverage. And I had everything approved. It was organic certified. But when I was trying to come up with the business concept, I had two weeks from production to consumption um, to actually make this like a viable business. And it like it just required so much like sophistication in terms of like making sure like the refrigeration space and then like the transport. So I went back to the food scientist and we came up with a way to have a plant-based superfood protein blend that didn't like require refrigeration and then also had a much longer shelf life. So there was a lot of like pivoting that happened early on. And then when I launched, it was January of 2020, which was three months before the pandemic, which completely altered our year one plans because year one was farmers markets, going to community events, like setting up a booth wherever I could. And I had to shift that really quickly to all digital and using social media, like to do like Instagram lives, Zoom cooking lessons, like nutritional 101 with like a registered dietitian. So everything just like changed in terms of like our strategy and how to reach our audience. That's like thinking about like just starting a business during the pandemic, like the pivoting and and like the ability to have to like really think on your toes. And honestly, that could have taken you out altogether. So I feel like a lot of people probably started them be like, okay, like there's just no way we can get our product or get this out to people. And you having to have like the mentality be like, you know, like let's use our tools. Like you said, social media, let's do virtual things. Like how did, what was your kind of like initial thought when the pandemic happened? Were you like, okay, like now what are we like, okay, like let's start using social or or did you kind of have that moment to like step back and pause? Honestly, it's such a blur. (laughs) 
so much. You just black out. Like people ask me about year one and I'm like, I honestly don't even <laughs> remember that because it was like every day was so different. Every It was so exciting. And like, I would celebrate the smallest wins, but I was also, I really did feel alone at that point. Both my boys were very young. I was a new mom. I quit my corporate job. I had this business, a food business. It was a pandemic. No samples were allowed. It just felt like a very isolating time for me, but I just kept pushing through. And I just was like, I have to get the word out. I can't, I have done all this work. What can I do? And from there, yeah, it was just like experimenting anything and everything that I could. That's that's great. And like, I just also realized we didn't <laughs> answer this question. Can you give us like kind of a brief summary of like what Tajari is for those who are like, oh, like, yeah. I think I've seen it. And I'm like, it's like, oh, I might have heard of it. Like, it's like a general like overview. Yeah, absolutely. So Tajari is named after both my boys. Tej is my youngest and he's five and Ari is my oldest and eight. And it is a superfood protein powder cat like line. We're starting with us. Uh, protein blends that you can use in baked items, smoothies, yogurt bowls, but we're expanding into pancake mixes, ready to eat, um, ready to eat like protein bars. And we're currently in um, Whole Foods in Air One. And we also have a D2C site as well. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, you brought up Air One and I just, I just love Air One. <laughs> it's like, that is- <laughs> I, I, would, I would love to go to Air One with you oh and just spend day i feel like we could have the best day together i just uh the seamoss the like the shakes the like i was out uh, there in june and i did 10 store visits so i got an opportunity to train all the staff that works in the supplement category and it was just i would i I would spend like six hours a day at air one because i was going from one store to the other and it is fascinating the brands that are there and the things that you can learn and the things that I'm like I should be taking this (laughs) why am I not taking this supplement right now (laughs) no and just like the the process for how they decide on like what brands get into the store seems like the highest achievement than like getting on Dean's list. So like, well, I actually have a story about that oh as well. I like hear it. So I, Airwalk was like my top like retailer, right? That I wanted to get into, and I apply. Like you have to submit your brand through this portal, and then you have to like send a box of product. And I think I submitted my product three times, and then I finally got an email, and they're like, um, "Thank you for the package, but." Uh, right, right now it's not the right fit for us. I sent eight emails to get feedback. Oh I was like, why? I was like, I'm a young founder. I would like to know why. Like, this can only make me better. They gave me feedback. I honestly took that feedback. I changed the product assortment and some of the formulation. A year later, I resubmitted it and I got approved. Oh my gosh. And I think that there's a key learning there that I think we, we hear no more than we hear yes in every aspect of the business. And I think that people just take no and then walk away. But it's so, so important to ask for feedback, especially as a young brand, because that's the only way that we can improve and understand what different, like whether it's a buyer or an editor, like what they're looking for. And I feel like a lot of times the people are like, oh, yeah, I want feedback, I want whatever. And then they're like, oh, well, they were too harsh or like they're being whatever. And it's like, if you know the person's intent is just to make you better, you shouldn't be festering on like, oh, they said I'm using 
too much of this sugar that like my branding should be tired. It's like, it's like you literally want to know how you can get better. So why are you taking it all offensively that they're trying to give you these things to make you be the best version of your brand or you or whatever. So that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You have to take every single feedback and do something with it, but at least you're hearing it. It's you can have that feedback and do what you do what you want to do. Right. But I think that that's something that's really important for founders. And like, how did that process, like, I feel like a lot of times, like we hear about like brands, like getting into places like Whole Foods and Erewhon and other like big, how did, um, like, did you create a list or like kind of how did those like conversations? And I know you said that Erewhon was like your top thing, but like, did you make a list of like places like you wanted to go based off of like your own personal, like, favorite yeah. ones or like how did that process come about so whole foods whole foods is like my top like in terms of just like nationwide retailer and then erwan was a, a place that i wanted to be in to show credibility to be around um, brands that also met off like, like just like checked off the list on in terms of like all these like organic and no sugar added like it was just like a badge right like to be at erwan i think with whole foods it was it's so challenging to get in. And I met one of the buyers at a local Atlanta event and she has been, I, again, I followed up with her <laughs> for eight months until she was like, okay, Rama, I think we're ready to see samples, but it took like every two to three weeks you follow up. If you have a press hit or if you have this, you just like come up with something that's valuable that you can send people. And it's not like you're trying to bombard them, but you want to be top of mind, right? And that's exactly what I did with this buyer. And it took a long time to get her attention. But once we did, we were able to go through all the quality standards. We were supposed to launch in nine stores in Atlanta. And from there, it went from 30 stores to 60 and now we're in 95 stores. So it was, and that was without being at an expo West or like being at an expo, right. Or going through brokers and distri- like, it was honestly just like a personal relationship that I met this buyer. And through there, I was involved in like their local brand initiative. So I think that like all of that, it can be done. It's just, it just takes a lot of patience and follow up. And I think just also the key here is like persistence where a lot of times yeah. like people are like, Oh, well I sent like, say like this recruiter, that person, uh, email, they didn't get back to me. It's like, okay, you can follow up. Or like you said, like you were like, oh, I ran into them. It's like, you also can't, you also have to make sure you put yourself in those spaces, in those positions to meet with and like talk to people. You can't just be like, oh, I just sent a DM or email. Like, that's it. Like then respond. Like I tried, we're done. It's like, no, you have to be persistent with it. And sometimes a no is just a yes that hasn't been changed yet. <laughs> exactly. And I think like all this stuff, like it takes so much time, especially when you're in retail. Like right now we're talking about, we're talking with Whole Foods around expansion and expansion with a retail calendar happens 12 to 18 months out. I'm like, my kids are going to be like fifth grade, but it's expanding. So it's just, it honestly just takes so much time. But with that time though, I do think as young brands, it gives us more um, planning. Like it allows us to avoid some problems. Like if you go too fast, like for me, it's, making sure distributor, inventory, operations. And yes, like there's 12 months, but those 12 months go by so quickly that it's good to have just like that proper planning in place too. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And that also reminds me just like also then leading into like not just like store partnerships like where your product, but also like other brands and other like people to collaborate with. Like um, what's your process with that? Like finding different um, people and like uh, other brands to work with. Do you have like kind of like a same like type checklist of like people you have in mind or is there like more of like a synergy type process? So I've done, I've done like four collaborations so far and those collaborations honestly came so organically. Like it was people or brands that, love the product we were trying to and we always start off with like let's do a giveaway on social (laughs) it's only very just like easy to execute and then from there it's like oh well maybe we should do something larger like could we do a collaboration like what would a product blend look like Uh, my first one was with scout the city and she Sai was the most recent um real housewives of new york this season i don't know if you Mm -hmm. watch it no i'm upset (laughs) her and i launched um an organic pumpkin spice blend and it was that was like the first one we formulated the blend together we worked on recipes together and it was just like such a and i was like oh like this is so easy and we were able to like use our platforms together and like the followers loved it so from there we did another one with Katie who is a sculpt society trainer so that one was more fitness oriented we focused on new year new like year resolutions it was all about apples and greens and like cleansing and things like that then we did one with Lauren Kennedy that was like a summer blend and our most recent one was with Kennergy and Julianne Huff. And that was the organic vanilla and matcha, an event that we just had in New York. So all of them just come very organically. Like it's like a, a deep passion around like nutrition, wellness, like doing positive things for your body and movement. And we try to experiment with what we can in terms of like taste and um, just like new ingredients that we can test out. And I feel like it's also important that you said that they kind of come naturally and organically because I feel like a lot of times we'll see brands and creators or brands and other brands like do these partnerships and they don't really, it doesn't really sound like they, it aligns well and it can get, and you, both audiences are like, what are you doing? And then that also kind of makes them lose trust in you as a brand or as a person. And then also in a product that's just honestly just going to sit on like in the warehouse for, for who knows exactly. much. I think it's just so important, like you said, for it to be either natural or ones who are like fans of the brands that actually want to do the work and like be with you. Cause that process of kind of finding something that works for both people is a lot of work. Cause you don't want two personalities. So it's like, if you both don't want to be there, or really do it. It's going to, it's going to show up when it's finally done. 
Yeah. And right now we don't do like any paid influencer arrangements, like any of that. So we really use like these collaborations as like our marketing tool of how can we use like our platforms together and use that to like amplify our like brands and what like kind of like what we're standing for and all of that. So it's, it's a big, just like marketing tactic for us. And I think we're going to continue to do it for the next year or two. And like, in terms of like social around that, do you guys like plan on like, how does that work? Like, do you guys plan on like, oh, we're going to do TikToks, we're going to do Instagram reels. Like, how does that kind of UGC type uh, content around the excitement of the collaborations and products kind of work? Yeah. So with Kenergy, as just an example, we did weekly, we're doing weekly recipe rollouts with like all of their guides within Kenergy. And every week it's like either a baked item or like a matcha latte or like things like that. So we really use like our collaboration as a way of creating content on a regular basis. And yeah, all of that is kind of thought through at the, um, at the start of the partnership of how are we going to launch? Like, how do we continue to drive awareness and excitement? How do we start to um, create people like just like excitement of just like reoccurring customers and all. So we, we brainstorm on all of those different tactics. Cause I know a lot of times like brands are like, Oh, like if we want to, you know, reach the younger ones, like we have to create these TikToks or if we want to yeah. like, I mean, TikTok is a B- are you on TikTok? What do you I, think? So I am, but like I do. So I like create in TikTok and then I post it on reels because like, I don't know, my yeah. audience isn't on TikTok. So I build most, I build out most of my stuff on like Instagram because that's where my audience is. But I know I always hear brands talk about that. They're like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I think we should do like a reel or we should do this or do that because we're trying to reach Gen Z or we're trying to reach like young parents, whatever. So I feel like there's always that decipher of like, what's the sweet spot? Well, if anyone is listening and would like to help me with TikTok, please. (laughs) (laughs) um, TikTok is one that we are kind of going deep in now in terms of just content creation. And we're looking for um, just like that regular stream of content. So it's like Instagram continues to be the social channel that we're focused on primarily, but TikTok, we're starting to put more and more energy towards. And like that also like makes you think like as like more platforms are coming out, are you feeling like, oh, like I'd rather us like stick to the ones we know, or are you one of those where it's like, let's, let's try to branch out and try to use threads or let's, try to do this one or that one? Like, what is your kind of, like, what your guys' like kind of mindset with that? It's hard. I feel like the number one thing that we want to try to do is drive traffic. And I'm like, wherever we can get people to our site or through, like, to our retailer is, like, what we're trying to, like, what is, like, our number one goal. So we are continuing to experiment with new and emerging social platforms. Because, like, let me see. I'm trying to think. Like, just speaking for me, like, there's, I just got on Be Real to like try that one out. And then I love threads. So I'm like wanting more brands to show up on threads. Yeah. Um, what other? There's just, there's honestly too many and it's overwhelming. So I'm always just curious of, to hear how brands use the different platforms or like what they think is going to make the most sense. Like if they're like, oh, like for now, let's just stick, we're going to just stick to Instagram and TikTok and like LinkedIn and we'll see how the other ones go. But I feel like it's also important to know what make like you don't have to be everywhere like I feel like a lot of brands feel like they have to be everywhere but it's you should pick the ones that make sense so if you're a visual brand like maybe just TikTok and Instagram makes the most sense but if you're a brand that say like 
you do recipes and you do stuff like that, like, okay, maybe Pinterest, but I, I feel like it's important for people to know that you don't have to be everywhere. You have to yeah, kind of exactly. be what makes sense to your brand. We do have like 80% of our marketing budget towards things that we know will perform and that are like the core of our business. Like as an example, like demos are huge for us. Like being in Whole Foods and Air One, we do invest in demos and being out there, being in the aisles, like having people like brand ambassadors talk about the product, things like that. And then from there, we're able to create social content in stores too. And I feel like from like a social standpoint, people love to see that. They love to see brands out and um, talk and experience that brand that way. So we do have, we have about 20% of our budget that is left towards new tactics, things like that, that we want to try. And I feel like it gives us a bit more breathing room, knowing that we we don't want to invest too heavily in TikTok at the moment, but we know we need to keep our hands in it somehow. No, because I, it's definitely not going away anytime soon. Like a lot of people no, are like, oh, you know, that's what happens. Like these platforms come and go and it's like, mm, that one's not going anywhere. So even back like in 2016 or 2017, when it was so easy to gain followers on Instagram, it's like night and day from how it is from now, from then to now, right? Like the algorithm keeps changing. So I feel like if we don't get into these platforms now, we're going to regret it in three years and we're going to have to pay triple Mm -hmm. to acquire new fans. Yeah. Like I feel like people don't get that. They're like, that's why when the threads came on, everybody was like, Oh, this is stupid. I was like, no guys, like let's go ahead and let's, Figure exactly. it out. Let's yep. thread away or knit yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get your knitting needles out, people. It's time. <laughs> and like that also leads me to like events and stuff. Do you guys like see as like in person things like now that we're starting to see more in person events? Like I know um you mentioned the event in New York. Like, do you plan on doing more of things like that for whether it's a collab or just like on its own? Yeah, events are so meaningful and it actually just creates this community. Like outside of our digital community, I love the in-person community that we're building across key cities for us. So we're talking to the well of doing something in New York in Q1. We did something with um, Christy Dawn in LA and it was all about sustainability. And we focused on food and clothing and all the things that touch us from like a sustainability standpoint. So yes, we are going to continue to do events. We'll probably do one every quarter and we will have one in New York, one in LA. We might be thinking about Chicago and Texas as well next year. And kind of, I'm always just curious to hear what makes you all decide like which cities to be. I know like a lot of times people pick cities where like most of their consumers are based or like if they're like around different like types of events, like they might go to Austin for South by Southwest or stuff like that. Like, is there like a method that you all try to do to base off where you do events and things? Yeah, I think it is uh, around cities and around like different brands that we have like common synergies with too. But I feel like LA and New York are like our key markets that we'll continue to build events in. But then there's like more of like the emerging markets that I feel like if we did show a presence, we could start to gain more traction with. No, that's true. And like, then that kind of leads to my second to last point about like, what are some products or what are some areas that you all think you want to do like I honestly think you guys should do matcha cookies (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's like one thing that I'll be pushing but are there any like products or things or if you can't talk about that like what's kind of your method of deciding like what new products to get into 
Yeah, I think so. One of my advisors, she was the former nutritional um, director for NYU. So we were always looking at like forward looking just like trends when it comes to ingredients. So like dates is, I think is like one of the, like just like a trending ingredient for this year. And one our sweeteners for a protein powder is organic date powder. So I think that there's things in terms of flavors as well as ingredients that we're looking into, but yes, like the matcha cookies, like I I'm so desperate to have like a ready to eat like whether it's a protein ball, cookie, things like that. We get that question all the time. I think people are looking for convenience. And I think the other thing is, is um, just experimenting with flavors. Like we did uh, organic cacao and strawberry Ooh. last year. And we introduced it during Valentine's Day. And we're like, oh, this will be a great seasonal blend that people will love. It is our top, like one of our top sellers. Like people are obsessed with it year round. So I think that there's ways for us to like even combine different flavors together and make it easy. No, that's like one thing that I, uh, that I love about brands whenever they listen to their consumers, whether it be in social, like whenever they do the pulse where it's like, oh, what flavors do you guys want or what things? Because I feel like that's where you're going to get the pulse to really create and do different products. If you just start doing it based off what you think the consumer wants and not actually check in, whether it's via social or your newsletters, and you're you're just missing the mark. Like your community and your users want to be engaged and they want to offer you that feedback that that you'd be looking for in like a search panel or a research like small group. Like you're use, like tapping into your community to ask is the first thing that any brand or company should be doing. Yeah. And we get that feedback a lot, especially when I'm in the stores that people don't see protein powders, talk about recipes as much, which we have like over 150 recipes on our site. And that's something that we do really focus on because people want variety in their diet. Yes, we'll have smoothies daily, but what if like it's winter and you don't want to have a smoothie for 30 days? Like what else? How else can I powder? <laughs> so it's like, we're all human, right? Like we want change. We want to have like every snack or things like that. We want to be excited about. So that's, I think we're trying to keep up with that, with that, just like the dynamics there. No, I love that. Um, so I'm going to be manifesting the matcha cookies. I'm that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm manifesting. <laughs> you might get matcha cookies this week at your doorstep. Oh my know. gosh. A, a, boy, <laughs> a boy could dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for my final question for everybody that's listening, that's like, oh, cool, Roma, love that you just like started this. Um, but I don't know how to do my like, just make take that risk. Like, what advice for you for someone who's like on the brink, kind of like you, that was like, oh, I have an idea for something that like I've used, and I think there's a cool business concept here, but they don't have that like last push to really do it. Like, what advice would you give them? I would say, honestly, it's so easy, but just start. Don't worry about your business plan and PowerPoint decks and, you know, written analysis, like SWOT analysis, things like that. I think like there's things that you can do to just start and start to work towards an idea of what this could be. And then all of that will slowly come. But you uh, what I said earlier, one foot in front of the other, you have an idea, talk to people and then see what you can do to actually start to create something of it. No, sure. And I feel like don't get stuck and do not so get stuck. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot of like swirl happening. I don't know how to do this. Yes. You're going to get a lot, of, a lot of that, but just don't get stuck and just keep moving. And you're not supposed to have all that. Like, that's the thing. You're not, you're not going to have all the answers from day one. Like, I feel like everybody gets so caught up with their like, oh, I don't have like a marketing budget or I don't have this or do, like 
oh, nobody, nobody has that from the beginning. You can't, yeah. you can't just sit on that and be like, oh, well, once I get this and once I get, this, you're never going to be ready. You have to, like you said, you have to just start. And I do have a team of, I have five advisors and they're the, the best thing to me and the business. They're there when I have challenges, they're there for like celebrations, things like that. And I, I feel like you do need to surround yourself with people that have more experience than you or people that can challenge you or even like when you have a con like consultants working for you, like just to make sure like you're leaning, um, learning and just like just like learning together and moving forward. No, that is true. I feel like a lot of times and also people that believe in you too. Like you don't exactly. want to have like people that are just like, Oh, you're crazy. You want to start this type of brand or you want to start this or like you need somebody that's like, Hey, like, you know, you're not going to have everything like all together, but like, we'll help you. Like we know somebody in PR yeah. that can help you with this, or exactly. we know um, a buyer who you could talk to. Like you want to have those people aren't they're going to support you every step of the way, not just be like, mm, you're crazy. Like, or that's already done. Yeah. And you need people to call you out too, right? Like, no, your, your business is not ready for that. Mm -hmm. you like these five steps to get to that point because you're going to be making so many mistakes. So it would be nice to at least avoid <laughs> them. You're like, um, if you all see me going into <laughs> bankruptcy, please speak up. Don't just be like, exactly. I'm like, uh, like mm, wasn't a good idea. <laughs> like, um, I would like you to please speak up first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, but Roma, thank you so much for being here today and just giving us all this good insight. Of course. Thank you so much. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino. Executive produced by Chris Aarons and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.